Welcome to this week's episode of Dylan's Podcast. I am Dylan Gallagher, and this is my podcast, proudly brought to you by MLENow.com. That's MLENow.com, where you can get your free instant business valuation that helps you take your business, compare it against industry benchmarks, so you can see what work needs to be done to make sure that you are building a successful business. It's free, doesn't cost you anything, but it could save your business. Check the valuation of your business daily, weekly, monthly, quarterly, yearly, and share the results with people in your business circle that you trust so that you can get the advice and direction that you need to make sure your business is as successful as it can be. On this week's episode of Dylan's Podcast, I had the pleasure of speaking with Erica Rankin of Brodo. We talk about what it means to build a business from scratch, and Erica takes some time to share some thoughts on what it means to be a female entrepreneur and some of the struggles and challenges that she's had to deal with. So uh, I hope you enjoy this episode. I found it very, very interesting and engaging. And if you haven't already, make sure that you check out Erica on LinkedIn. She does a great job of building an audience and sharing her story. And uh, this to this episode today is just one little taste of that. So let's get started. So thanks for agreeing to hang out with me and chat a little bit about what it means to be an entrepreneur. But before we get too far, what does that sign over your right shoulder mean? Uh, yeah, zero. Oh, I guess it's that way. <laughs> zero, op- <laughs> zero, zero, op- zero options mentality. Um, so basically it is you see things all the way through. Um, and those days you want to quit, there's zero options. You got to do it. You got to follow through on what you said you're going to do. You just have no choice. Yeah. So for those of you that are going to be listening to this on the podcast, uh, there's a neon sign behind Erica that has three lines on it, zero options mentality. And uh, so it just caught my eye here as we got started. Uh, Erica, for those of of our listeners and watchers that don't know who you are, um, what's like the three sentence story of who you are today, what you're working on, um, and then we'll get into some of the details. So yeah, my name is Eric Rankin. I'm a 27-year-old Canadian entrepreneur um, building a edible protein cookie dough CPG company um, and also building out a, I guess, social media consulting passion project on the side. So in a nutshell. (laughs) So at 27 years old, how did you decide you wanted to start a CPG company? Uh, I guess I'll give you like a little uh, a recap. I won't go kind of too into it, but basically, sure. I think I was 23. Um, okay. I graduated from university, got my degree, thought that I wanted to pursue my master's and then my PhD. And I did psychology. I was really interested in human behavior and wanted to like be a psychiatrist and work with people and help people. And um, and then I started working a um, nine to five job in research, kind of in my field after school. And I was making literally no money. I had no benefits. I sat in a cubicle. There was no windows around me and I wasn't surrounded by the happiest people. So I guess after a year of working that job um, and I was also working at a bakery and doing personal training on the side, um, that was kind of like the stuff that like made me happier versus like my, you know, nine to five. Um 
but yeah, I just, I got to the end of my contract and was like, I don't want to do this anymore. So I quit it and then I quit my other jobs. And then I booked a trip to Southeast Asia <laughs> and uh, I plan on going for one month and then I stayed for three over three months. And I guess on that trip, I met entrepreneurs and that kind of got the wheels turning in my head. And then when I got home, um, I decided to just go with it and launch a food CPG business with no experience. <laughs> now, given, so you've got a, a huge LinkedIn audience. And if you don't follow Erica on LinkedIn, make sure that you do. Uh, she's always got some very interesting things to share. She's very honest and very transparent in her posts, which I think goes a long way for entrepreneurs that need, uh, that maybe wouldn't be as brave as Erica would be. Uh, but she shares the the wins and the struggles. Um, but I think you'd agree or maybe not, but most entrepreneurs don't have like a grand master plan when they start their business. Certainly the entrepreneurs that I've run into, it just was sort of uh, one thing led to another, led to another, led to another. And then you, then you sort of look up and go, oh, well, I, I mean, I guess I'm an entrepreneur. Would you agree with that? Or do you think that it is a little bit more methodical? Um. For me, it wasn't. And a lot of people that I talk to, like, we don't really know what we're doing. And I think that's the misconception is like, you think that everyone has it all figured out. And that's what I learned on my trip. Like I talked to someone who was a former lawyer, and he was miserable and hated it. And then he jumped into real estate and like building these immaculate houses and flipping these houses. And he had no experience, kind of just like went with it. Um, no big plan behind it. Um, so yeah, I mean, I kind of like fly by the seat of my pants sometimes. And that's how I like, got into this business and I think too you have to have like a bit of naiveness you know like it's good to not know some things because if you knew everything I don't think you would jump all in into it <laughs> yeah I think given certainly my experience some days you just wouldn't get out of bed because yeah. <laughs> that knowledge of what's coming next would just keep you under the bed sheets and say to yourself like I don't even want to face the day but on that same token or on that or sorry on that same stream of thought uh, what is it that in your toughest days does get you to the end of the day and into the next day I know from part of what uh, why I had reached out to you is you had shared some pretty honest LinkedIn posts. And I thought, wow, like there's got to be something underneath uh, just winging it every day that encourages you to get to the end of the day and keep going tomorrow. What is it for you? So it's probably like my why. Um, I never really, and I guess like my, my why has changed over the past year since I embarked on this. At first it was like, I just want to be my own boss. I want to build something really cool. And you know, like I want to have my own thing and like, I don't want to answer to anyone, you know, that was kind of why I got into this. And then as time went on, I started getting all of these younger, um, I guess, entrepreneur curious um, individuals coming up to me and approaching me. And they're like, I love what you're doing. And I'm really scared. And I want to get into this. And like, you're inspiring me. And I guess it kind of shifted now and like people kind of look up to me and I mentor people and I help them throughout their journey. And I have mentors that I go to and friends that I go to on those down days because being like a solopreneur, the mistake that I made really early on is I didn't have people around me who were entrepreneurs, like they didn't get it. Um, and I, I loved my friends, I loved my circle, but they just couldn't help me in the ways that I needed them to. Um, so then I started, I turned to LinkedIn and I started building out that network. And now if I'm having a down day, I'm like, hey, like, help me, I'm having a crisis, you know, like, either it's just like a friend who can help me or someone who's been through it, you can kind of give me advice and stuff. And also, yeah, just having those, uh, the mentees, like, you know, kind of look up to me, it's really cool, it keeps you going. Now, the CPG space is a pretty big space. There's lots of folks that are um, uh, producing a product and marketing it and selling it. I am not in that space, but certainly following lots of folks who are, it seems to be a very robust 
community. What is what are some of the highlights of working in the CPG space, uh, aside from the competitiveness of it, because I think there's lots to learn by watching what your competitors are doing, but what are some of the highlights of being a part of that community? Oh, it's the best people ever, honestly. <laughs> and yeah, it's just, it's so, it's so cool. Um, and it's, there's just so much passion into it. Um, and yeah, like, it's kind of like a family, like a close-knit family. Everyone kind of knows everyone. And even though the world seems like such a big place, uh, really though, there aren't that many CPG founders, there aren't that many people that are kind of going like knees deep into this industry. It's a really hard industry and that's what I'm learning. Um, but yeah, people just want to give back. And that's the thing. Like when I first got on LinkedIn, I had 12 connections and I remember like shaking and like <laughs> messaging like these really like crazy, um, gosh, these, these, these really big entrepreneurs that have built these really incredible companies that like I have in my pantry that I've like ate forever and I like love them and I admire them. And then I got to like learn who the founder was and kind of study the founder. Um, and then some of those people that I first reached out to are still my mentors to this day. So they really want to just give back and reinvest into the industry. It's like this big cycle because they know how hard it was when they first started. Right. Yeah. If you look at the arc of building a business, everyone's at kind of a different stage on that arc. What stage are you at right now in your business? Uh, so I am just getting over Death Valley. <laughs> so <that's> <laughs> well like said. The, Good for you. The, yeah, the, the scaling phase, I guess, because um, I just recently partnered with a manufacturer. So I went from being very heavily involved in the operations to now kind of outsourcing a lot of stuff. Like I don't pick and pack anymore. I don't make it anymore. Um, I'm kind of delegating more now, which feels really nice. So I can kind of put my sales and marketing hat on and really grow the brand. Um, so yeah, I'm just a little further in past year two, two, two just over two years. Um, but you're at that inflection point where you're trying to scale up now. Yeah. So it's a whole nother ball game. And it's funny because I thought when I got to this point that my problems would be significantly less, like lesser. I wouldn't have as many issues. They just show up in different ways now. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Yeah. If you, do you think if you did it again, it would take the same two years? No. Oh gosh, absolutely not. Yeah. I, that's the thing too. I never like, again, when I got into this industry, I had no experience. I didn't know. I was like, Oh, what is food science? Like what is, um, a sell sheet? Like I didn't, what is pricing? What is a margin? Like, I don't know how much I, I literally, I didn't know anything. I did it all wrong the first time around. I was underselling my product and, uh, spending so much time in the kitchen making it. And, um, yeah, I made a lot of mistakes and I think, you know what, it's good to learn though. It's good to learn. Yeah, I've always yeah. said there's there's a certain level of work that has to be done to get the victory that you want or the success that you want. And you really get to decide how how fast or how slow you're going to go through that work and learn those lessons. You can't not learn them, but you can control how quickly, <laughs> how quickly mm -hmm. you learn them. Uh, for someone that maybe isn't at the inflection point that you're at right now where they're looking to scale, what are one or two tips that you'd give them or, or one or two personal experiences, good, bad, or otherwise, that you know for sure if you did this again? those two things would have changed, would have made a big difference in maybe shortening that two-year time frame. Uh, so I think like at the beginning, the thing that I didn't do is I didn't think long-term. So I kind of just took things day by day and that's really good. Don't get me wrong. Like it's good to have that mindset, but at the same time, you need to think about how you can commercialize or scale, whatever it is you're going to do. Like what would it look like? Um, I don't know, like a hundred thousand com dollar company versus like a $1 million company. Like what, what, steps you need to take to get there so i think like having um a, like a long-term like maybe like a two or three year business plan like that would have really helped me and it would have 
helped me move things a lot quicker. Um, and just like asking questions earlier on, like that's something that I wish I did because um, I remember getting super burnt out in the kitchen and I was like, okay, I, this is the moment that I need to scale. And I thought it was going to take like one or two months and it took like five months for me to find a co-packer. And it took like five months to do like a reformulation and make my uh, formula in a way that could be scalable um, and like have better shelf life. And there's just like little things that come up. Um, obviously you can't be prepared for everything, but I think just like knowing what it takes to scale earlier on, it's good to be prepared, I think. Yeah. And so if you sort of follow along, most of us are just winging it every day. Uh, some of us have figured out that at some point you do need a Northern star that you're like looking at and, and working towards, uh, from zero to two years, most of the entrepreneurs that, that I interact with wear multiple hats. So you switch from like a finance hat to an operations hat to a sales and marketing hat, which hat are you most comfortable wearing? Marketing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I love that. I love storytelling and I love the branding and I love, um, I've, I've gotten to love being on camera and stuff and uh, I guess interacting with my customers and followers. What hat do you not enjoy wearing? Uh, operations. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what is it? Is it, what is it about operations that you don't love? Uh, it's just like, yeah, the logistics of it and like the spreadsheets and that, you know, like I'm not a very um, numerical person. Like I think that's left brained, right? Left-brained? Yeah, yeah. So, so I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm very right-brained. I'm very creative, and I love kind of like, um, I don't know, doing, yeah, the more creative aspect of the business and, yeah, storytelling, marketing, sales, all of that. I really like that. I like talking to people and communicating with people and being passionate about my brand, and uh, I'm not a lover of spreadsheets. So anything that has a spreadsheet, I, I do it, but I don't enjoy it. <laughs> As a lover of spreadsheets, who is terrible at sales and marketing, uh, what have you noticed with entrepreneurs either in your space or other spaces that they often miss the mark on when it comes to sales and marketing? Um, consistency. And I take a little bit of a different approach when it comes to marketing. Like I'm very transparent and that's kind of been my goal since day one. Like people have seen me build my business in real time and I kind of show like, you know, I pull the curtain back and can show people what's actually going on behind closed doors. And I wish that more brands did more of that, um, especially now because there's so many categories that are so saturated. There's so many competitors. And what is one thing that you can do that makes you differentiate yourself or stand out from your competitors? And I think having that personal touch and showing that like to your customers or followers goes such a long way. And then it's like building out this like little fan base, you know, like not only do they love the product, but they love the people behind it. So I think that's important. Why do you think most entrepreneurs don't do that? Is it fear? Is it they don't know how? They're not comfortable? They're not confident? Maybe they're not convinced that they want to share everything with everyone all the time? What, what do you think? What do you see? So, yeah, I guess the things that I hear, because I work with a few people on this, um, and founders are not always comfortable on camera. Like, they're either um, very into the business and, like, doing the work, like building the business and all of that. They don't like being the face of the brand and they're not comfortable on camera. And I also hear too, they're like, oh, I don't have time for that, um, <laughs> which I understand, um, but you can make time, absolutely. And I think it goes a long way. Um, and I think that's why I've done so well organically. Like I've spent $1,500 on marketing in two years just because I've really leveraged that organic reach. And do you think that 
the ability to storytell and be the face of the business is unique to the CPG space? Or have you seen examples where it has worked um, in other industries or other businesses or products or services? Um, I mean, there's Shanae Moray. So she has the Growth Academy um, and she teaches you how to grow like your LinkedIn and social media and stuff like that. And she kind of is the face of that company. Um, and she goes on like LinkedIn Live and stuff. I'm not sure if you're familiar with her. I'm not, no. Um, yeah, so I think she's one of the only uh, people on LinkedIn who isn't a celebrity to have over a million followers or something. Oh, um, wow. Which is pretty crazy. Yeah, so I think she she kind of is like the face of that. Um, in terms of like other businesses, I'm not entirely sure. But I know with CPG, like a lot more founders are coming through and sharing their story and being more transparent and open and... Um, trying to like, yeah, have a more transparent um, relationship or view like with, with the people that follow them. With your CPG brand, uh, do you find that you end up building your own little tribe of customers? Like, does it, does it work its way down to your customers the way um, it sounds like it would? Do, does, do your story, does your storytelling and your transparency resonate with your customers? And have you seen that change the outcome for where your business is? I think so. Um, yeah, I have like the engagement that I have on different platforms like TikTok and Instagram and LinkedIn, especially too. like the way that I approach my customers is a little different than other businesses. Like I kind of look at them as my friends yeah. <laughs> and I talk, to, I talk to them like they're my friends, like when they're messaging me and stuff, like I reply, sometimes I send them videos or voice notes or whatever, just to like make it more personable. Um, and I think that's why they like gravitate towards me and the product. Cause like, I'm like, Hey, like join team Roto, you know, like Roto gang, where you at? Like <laughs> I, um, I really care about them. And, um, I think with the honesty and stuff and just kind of like showing them what it takes to, uh, build a business. Like it's also really interesting to them because even me, like being a consumer before I even set foot in this industry, you go to a store and you see a product on a shelf and you're like, wow, that's Cool, whatever like you put it in your your basket and you're on your way but now i'm like do you know how blood how much blood sweat and tears it took to get <laughs> actually that went into on, that yeah on yeah. the shelf and then yeah and then like to market it and then at the end of the year like it could be like a six figure seven figure eight figure business but the company is only taking back like a little tiny sliver of that um total revenue so it's just it's i have a huge amount of respect for people in this industry it's really tough now is the is the big game plan because you you mentioned that uh, if you did it all over again, you'd have some idea what the long-term plan was going to look like without being specific and revealing any secret sauce or any secret ingredients. What would your long-term play be? Would it be to uh, sell your, your product? Would it be to move into other categories? Would it be to hire a management team and let them run the business? How do you sort of see what your long-term uh, plan, uh, how it's going to lay out in a perfect world? Yeah, I mean, I'm going to build this thing and then sell it, I think. Okay. Um, and like my dream, ideally, like I would love, I want to build something else. I'm not sure exactly what it'll be. We'll see. <laughs> Time yeah. will tell. I'll get through this thing and then see what's next. Um, but I would love to like reinvest in other female owned startups because I think that is so awesome. Um, and I know it's like only a certain percentage of VC funding goes towards women entrepreneurs. Like it's a super, super small amount. Um, and I don't know, I love, I love helping and I love mentoring and I would love to be on the board and like help another company grow. Cause I think it'd be so cool to contribute. So build it and sell it. Is that correct? Yeah. yeah. 
So as you wake up each day, is that what you're thinking about as you make your business decisions and as you complete your tasks and keep moving, keep moving the ball down the field, so to speak? A little bit. Like it's kind of in the back of my mind that it's because um, this isn't going to be like a um, a business or a brand that I'm going to like pass on to my kids and stuff like that's sure. kind of not not my intention with it. Um, ideally, I would like to get bought out by a bigger company down the road. Um, but yeah, I mean, I just kind of I take things one day at a time. And as long as I'm moving the needle forward, that's all that matters. And I do make decisions based on that. And I think as you start to scale too, it's really important um, to know what your end goal is. Like if you want to keep this business for like 20, 30, 40 years, then you're not going to be taking on a ton of investors and venture capitalists and all of that because they're expecting an exit strategy. So, um, I guess, yeah, it does, it does play into my everyday decisions for sure. And have you seen somebody in your, within your peer group or within your marketplace that is maybe further down the path than you are that you're looking to model? Um, or at least watching to see how they're doing, or is this something that you are venturing out into uh, on your on your own? Uh, so there's one company that I really love and admire, um, and I haven't met her before, but we've spoken. So Tara Bosch, she built a company called Smart Sweets, and it's basically a better for you candy. It has like three grams of sugar per bag or something, and she sold the company. Um, for a lot, <laughs> I think about a year, a year and a half ago. Um, and I think it was founded in 2016 or 2017. Um, but it grew, it grew very quickly. It was almost like a unicorn brand. Um, but yeah, I mean, I kind of, am just kind of doing things at my own, at my own pace with my own, I guess, intentions and stuff. And then I have mentors as well who have been through this and I've had multiple exits and, um, they're kind of, I guess, um, staging it up for me and lining it up and kind of educating me about what, what your three should look like, your four should look like, your five should look like. So I'm prepared. It's a great, a great answer and well articulated, uh, because I think certainly most of the entrepreneurs that I'm interacting with don't, they actually don't know how they're going to exit their business. In fact, they get up every day, you know, they got into business, not with any grand plan. They just got into it because they wanted the freedom or they didn't want the accountability of someone over top of them. And the next thing you know, they're five years into a business and they're going, oh, now I have to get out of bed in the morning. I have people I'm responsible for. I have customers and so forth. So the fact that you know your exit strategy is to sell, was there something that happened that caused you to really crystallize that? And that might sound like a lay down question, but it really isn't because I think there's lots of entrepreneurs that they actually have no clue what they're doing with their business. They didn't get in to get out. They got in for other reasons, but now they're stuck and they're, they need something that, that they can, that they can point to. So what was it for you? Yeah, I think like the further I get into it, I'm just really recognizing what my strengths and weaknesses are. And just because I'm the CEO now, um, doesn't mean I'm going to be the CEO when it's like a 5 million or $10 million business. It's going to have to switch to a more, I guess, corporate culture, corporate structure, there's obviously someone that's going to have to come in who has experience in like really growing and managing a CPG brand. Because um, it's different when you're growing, like really growing. Um, and you know what, like, I'm a builder, I love building things. I love being creative. I love watching things grow and create. Um, I don't think I'm a person who wants to like, be the CEO of a company forever and manage a company forever. And I love the product and I love the business, but um, I definitely don't think it is a end all be all for me. <laughs> you made a comment about um, women founders and how you'd like to support them. Um, 
I'm not a woman and I'm not a woman founder, but if you could double click on that a little bit, what are some of the challenges that you've seen as a woman looking to build not only a CPG brand, but to go into the marketplace to create a business uh, for, for, I guess, for context, what would, what would, uh, what should other people know about uh, if you were talking to other entrepreneur women, whatever you you would say would resonate with them. And if you were talking to uh, folks like me, it would give me some insight into really what you're working against every day. Cause it's already hard enough to be an entrepreneur, but if the deck is a little bit stacked against you, um, a, what does that look like? And then how do you interact with, with that challenge each day? I think like, cause I do have younger, um, women entrepreneurs approach me, or I guess women who are looking to pursue entrepreneurship, um, the industry, like whatever they're going into or just like entrepreneurship in general, it's really intimidating to them. Um, okay. And they're very like, yeah, that's the thing. Like I have people come up to me and I guess I don't know if I'm approachable or if it's just because I'm super open and transparent with my journey because this lifestyle can be very um, shiny, like the way that it's portrayed on social media. And that's what I really don't like. It's almost like toxic positivity like you see on Instagram. Um, you know, like the photoshopped, like, uh, highlights of someone's life. You don't see like the actual story that goes real on stuff. behind it. Yeah. yeah. So I think that's the thing too. And, um, even for me, like as a female founder and there, there are definitely not as many females, I think pursuing entrepreneurship or in business, cause it can be very intimidating. Um, but yeah, I remember like going on and looking at like LinkedIn and other different social media platforms and seeing like, okay, like I got into this account and I fundraised this much amount of money and I did this and I did this and I'm like, okay, well, how come like everything's so hard for me? Right. <laughs> um, and no one, no one really talks about it. So um, yeah, I mean, I think too, um, I just, it's, I think it's nice having a, like a female mentor or someone who gets it um, for other females. You can kind of see things through the same lens. Um and yeah, I just, there's not that many, um, like Arlene Dickinson is one. She's a sure. big yeah. VC here in Canada and I love what she's doing. And I would love to maybe one day get to that stage and help build other female companies. So over the last two years, what would have been something that would have made those specific challenges uh, easier? Would it, been, would it have been having more access to female mentors? Would it have been having more access to uh, female entrepreneurs, like what would have been something that might've made that less challenging than it was, or it has been and continues to be. Yeah. I think like maybe, um, just having more female mentors. Cause like a lot of the people that I surrounded myself with, um, they even weren't really in the industry or, or entrepreneurs at all. Um, and I think having other females who are not only like higher above you um, and have been through it and they know the challenges they've been through it, and they can kind of help guide you and prepare you. Um, but having other females that are at the same level as you. And uh, I didn't really have that for the first like year and a half. And then I started connecting with other women and started, um, I guess, having regular calls with them and a lot of challenges we faced, we could kind of like work through and talk through with each other. Um, but yeah, it's definitely, it definitely can be intimidating when um, you're kind of entering entrepreneurship and you don't really have a business background and there's all these like moving parts and yeah. <laughs> well, I think as an entrepreneur, it, again, it's already hard enough, right? Um, making the decision to go out on your own, start a business, take the risk, all that kind of stuff. That's already hard. 
And then I would imagine uh, being in the position that, that you're in, not having maybe female context because there just isn't the availability of it would prove even more challenging. Um, I do notice that, that that is getting a lot more attention. However, when I look at my social feeds, when I look at headlines, when I look at the people that I'm following, uh, certainly it's not an unknown issue. Uh, do you see it getting better? Do you see that maybe it's all hype with no substance or is the next female entrepreneur that comes behind you going to have an easier time uh, building their business and bringing it to the market? Yeah, I think it's, it is getting better. It is improving, um, especially when you have like, gosh, like the Sarah Blakely's of the world. And, you know, um, she's like amazing. They're, yeah, they're, they're setting such a good example. And even the company culture that she's building, like, I think she gave every one of her employees like 10 grand or something. Um, yep. Yeah. So I think like it is getting better. And you know what, like, again, Arlene Dickinson, she really speaks on this issue a lot. Um, and I see her posting about it regularly. And I think like, that's kind of the first um, stepping stone is like bringing awareness to the issue. Um, and yeah, I don't know. I really want to see more. I want to see more female entrepreneurs getting into this. So let's assume that a couple of them are listening to this podcast at some point. What would you say to them? Oh my gosh, just do it. Go into it. Um, I think for me too, it was very intimidating and I felt super underqualified, right? Like you feel like you have to know everything. And, um, again, like growing up, I thought that business was not for women. <laughs> I oh, was wow. like that. Yeah, I don't know. It was just very weird for me because I, um, grew up in a family where my parents worked like traditional, like nine to five jobs. I didn't really have any friends who were in business. And I thought, well, I can't do that. Like, I don't know anything about business and kind of like, um, I guess stereotypically you kind of see like suit and tie, like, a, you know, um, sure. yeah. and they're there. I didn't really have any, I guess, growing up like um, business influence or like women entrepreneurs to really look up to. Um, it's definitely gotten better over the years and we've seen more and more and more surface. Um, but yeah, I mean, I was very scared and I felt like I didn't know enough and I felt underqualified. And then when I started having conversations with other entrepreneurs, like high school dropouts and, people who literally had no freaking clue what they were doing. They just kind of jumped into an industry that piqued their interest. Um, I realized, okay, like I can do this. Like I these guys, this. Yeah, yeah, these guys that I met on this trip, like they don't know, like, you know, I, <laughs> it's like everything is kind of like this illusion. And then when I got to like have these conversations, it was like, wow, we're all kind of like in the same boat. We don't really know what we're doing. We don't really know what we want in life. We're kind of just, you know, figuring it out. And uh, again, like I think with, um, I guess, entrepreneurship, like you have to kind of figure out what your passion is. And you know what, like I started this company and I love food and I love better for you food products and I love creating things. And I guess along the way, I kind of figured out like, oh, I actually love like mentoring and I love helping and guiding and teaching and learning. Um, so yeah, it's pretty cool. So you would tell a female entrepreneur, just, just do it. But it also yeah. sounds like you would say, uh, not just do it, but actually just start reaching out to other people as well other female entrepreneurs, find them. I mean, we live in a world right now where it's pretty easy to find people that uh, can encourage you or can inspire you. Even if you don't get to talk to them one-on-one, -on -one, you can certainly see uh, like Sarah Blakely is, is a, you know, the ultimate example, but again, she's mm. pretty transparent with her life. She has shared her entire story as she's uh, built and sold her business. So just do it, but also make sure you get in front of the, the right people and don't hesitate to reach out because no one really knows what they're doing. Everyone pretends they do, but nobody does, right? We're all winging it to some extent. Yeah, every day. that's true. Yeah. Interesting. Well, as you've given me the time that, that you said you would, and I'm very, very grateful for it. And I know that the folks listening to this will take away some, some nuggets. Um, as 
we leave uh, each other's company today, what would you say is probably, um, what do you enjoy most about being an entrepreneur? Uh, uh, I love so many things. There are things that I, (laughs) there's things, there's things that I don't like, um, but uh, no, I think just like the community, um, and the people in it, like I, uh, and the learning, I, there's there's a lot of things that I like, um, but I feel like over the past two years, I've learned more than like my whole undergraduate degree because I've been so hands-on and I've been like in the business building the business and it just there's so much knowledge like so much knowledge and every day you're going to be learning something and um yeah I think it's pretty cool I just I love learning and I love reflecting on the growth that I've had yeah what a great answer I think I mean obviously I get a lot of answers from people like oh I just you know I enjoy making money I enjoy creating value um I enjoy someone like me might say I enjoy the problem solving end of being an entrepreneur trying to fix that next thing but uh for you to say that you enjoy the learning to enjoy bettering yourself that's uh that's a wonderful answer for folks that are listening erica what's the best way to follow you and get in touch with you yeah so um i guess if you're in canada and you want to get cookie dough (laughs) brodo.ca is my website you can connect with me on linkedin erica rinkin and then i also do social media consulting grow with erica erica.com. Um, yeah, that's how you can find me. <laughs> all right. Well, we'll put all of that contact information in the show notes. And again, I'm very grateful for your time. Thanks for, for hanging out and chatting uh, about entrepreneurism. Yeah. Thanks, Dylan.